I think, you know, understanding everybody, not only a holistic level of your culture and how you're trying to identify your company, but also on a micro level of actually getting to know your team and your people on a one-on-one basis and understand what makes them go. This is The Playbook. We have a constant entrepreneur. This guy has gone from nothing like me to eight figures in income. He gets it in the space that we need to get. When I say that, I mean he's a master of digital marketing and entrepreneurship. Chance Weber in the house, CEO and founder of Agile and Company, formerly known as Leap uh, Clicks itself. Uh, welcome to the playbook, Chance. Thank you for having me, my man. It's a it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you. And you know, I love the fact that you know you came from nothing, right? You had a credit score, I think, even lower than mine when I went bankrupt if that's possible. And, uh, you know, no, no income, no money, you know, no help. And you were able to turn that into a huge success, not only just for you with eight figures of, of annual revenue, but literally helping other people in the same position, reach the objectives and vision that they have for themselves, which is even more importantly to me than your personal success is the success that you've helped other people attain. Um, what for you is the turning point? You know, where, where did you say to yourself, this is not me. You know, I'm not a 400 credit score guy. I'm not a broke, you know, broke guy. I, I'm bigger than this. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I don't know if there was this magic aha moment for me, but I think that there's, I do remember one specific time I, I got up to go to work and my car was gone. It was repossessed. And it was, it was a very demoralizing moment, right? That's just like, wow. Um, and I was living with a girlfriend at the time who knew I was struggling, but maybe not to that extent. And it, it, was, it was a very demoralizing time. But I, I don't know if there was a specific aha moment that I was like, wow, I, I'm meant for more than this. I think I always knew that I had talent and potential, but it was more so of hitting the rock bottom point in life of having nothing to lose by making a dramatic change and trying to go do something for myself. It was more so out of um, my circumstances, I would say, than this moment that happened. One of the things you're known for, and I think has really attributed to your success is someone who coaches a lot of executives like you, is I talk about knowing your timing and risk tolerance and incorporated when people ask me, so what does that mean, timing and risk tolerance? I said, you gotta understand and align with your own budget, your own timeline, and your own objectives. And I see what you do within the context of a multivariable business. Uh, when people tell me they know what they know about digital marketing, I laugh. I go, how could you know anything with a trillion variables? I wanna know the approach that you take to gather information. And I wanna know your timing and risk tolerance is aligned with mine. So let's talk about aligning budgets, timelines, and objectives. How do you get those companies to give you their ass, you know, assessment of that so that you can manage expectations and deliver according that to me seems like a secret sauce of what you do. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I think that one thing that I talk to a lot of people about just in general is I speak in human language. I think a lot of digital marketers try to get into specific analytics and, you know, these slanging acronyms of ROAS and cost per lead, you know, CPL and, and, and we can, we can, I can throw around all this fancy technical language as well, but when it comes down to it, all business executives just want to understand the business side of it. 
They're hiring us as professionals to perform a professional service. But at the end of the day, we're all humans. So I try to have very human conversations with people that don't have the level of expertise that my team and I do. And I think that's one thing that separates me. But, you know, to really get down into it, I think a lot of us is just earning trust. So, you know, I share a very quick story. We just took recently took on a client that helps people get out of timeshares. This is an industry that we're all very familiar with, right? Kind of a slimy industry. They were spending three hundred dollars to $400,000 a month on Google Ads. And I'm not kidding you, David. When we got into their Google Ads account, their agency that they've been working with for years was actually running ads on people trying to buy timeshares, not get out of them. And they're hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. So I think a lot of it of getting an executive and an entrepreneur to open up is really just building that trust piece by piece, block by block. And one of the big things that we do is, is just say, hey, we're going to do an analysis of everything that you have for free. I just want to understand what I'm looking at here. And that helps build that trust in general with them is just taking it step by step and not trying to push a sale, but trying to become a partner. Yeah. And you do that so well with credibility and emotional attachment. But one of the other things that is difficult in your space is that there's so many, excuse my language, quote unquote, shit bag digital marketing companies. And I, I run across this all the time. People will call me and say, we want the Dave Meltzer package. Right? <laughs> they literally, you know, if, you know, if a middle-aged mutant turtle like you can be you know, a brand, then you must know what you're doing and in, in building that brand. But I, I'm just blown away by how many people are blowing smoke up the rear ends of executives because they don't know anything about it. It reminds me of lawyers who use legalese yeah. and all they're doing is draining you of your money, especially right, like right. divorce lawyers where they're the only ones that win. The other two clients end up with no money. But more importantly, uh, how do you deal with one, identifying you know, those shitbag marketing agencies, but how do you also, without attacking them, uh, educate the client on, hey, there may be a better way to do this? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm brutally honest. I'm almost too honest at times. It might even be a turnoff to certain people because I don't sugarcoat a lot. And, you know, if it is that bad, then it is that bad. But, you know, the shitbag agencies, my, my rule of thumb is 19 out of 20. 19 out of 20 digital marketing agencies are just simply not good at what they do. And I'm not saying that we're the best digital marketing agency in the world. I'm not saying that we don't get fired. I'm not saying that we don't drop the ball on campaigns. This is part of marketing. If it was that easy, we wouldn't have a business. Um, but you would not believe some of the things that I've seen. I mean, we took on a client a few months ago that their website had been hacked. And they had thousands of pages about Viagra, um, you name it, these, all these different sex pills, anything that was just the spam was incredible, right? Pornography pages and their agency was coming back to them and saying, your SEO is exploding. Look at all this traffic that you're getting. Look at these keywords. These numbers of keywords are going through the roof. And we get a hold of this and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, not only are, are you letting this happen, but you're, you're twisting it into something great. So we had to blow the whole, it was like beyond salvageable. We had to blow the whole entire thing up and, and start from scratch and rebuild out on the domain as a whole. But yeah, I mean, you would not believe the things that I see. And to be candid with you, it, it's weekly. You know, I probably, my team probably reviews three to four accounts a week. And, and, and 19 out of 20 of them is something maybe not to that extreme, but unfathomable when I get a hold of it. It's like, how, how you know, how, somebody's trusting you with their money. You know, like this is serious stuff here. Yeah, the head of my media and I always say, this is why we'll never starve. 
you know, it's just amazing how much overselling, back end selling, lying, manipulating, and cheating is, is. going on. Uh, to that end, though, you're talking about SEO, search engine optimization, and mm -hmm. there is a manipulation of all different aspects of the analytics, the data, SEO, digital ad spend, social media ads. Uh, but it's interesting because you really believe the SEO side of thing, the search engine optimization is a golden egg. Uh, I do. For majority of the businesses. Why do you feel that? Yeah. I mean, I, it's not. So just to reframe that a little bit, I wouldn't say the majority of businesses, but I think any type of actionable service-based business. So I work with a lot of contractors, roofers, plumbers, electricians, um, any, anything that you would go to Google to search for, right? There's an intent behind it. I have a problem. I need a solution. To me, there is nothing better for that business to market their services on other than Google, because you are the solution at that exact moment of relevance, right, where they are looking for your solution. So when you put that in a perspective and then you actually break down a, a SERP, which is a search engine's results page, when you break that down, depending on what study that you look at, roughly 50 to 60 people click on that top organic result. So the numbers speak for themselves. It is the golden egg. I mean, there, for a business like that, there is no better piece of real estate that they could possibly have. Now, in a perfect world, they would have a little bit of everything, right? I'm not saying, hey, that, that plumbing company shouldn't run social media ads. They absolutely should. But I'm telling you that if Joe Schmo's toilet is flooding all over his house and he goes to Google and needs a plumber, there's no better lead for you to get in front of than that guy at that moment. So at the end of the day, it is still the most valuable piece of real estate for any type of service-based business like that, you know, and a lot of product businesses as well. Again, problem solution, it's Google 101. Yeah, and beyond Google 101, there's also an inherent conflict that exists in social media, ad spend especially. And that's the idea of either a short-term or a quick ROI versus, like me, a community builder, uh, a long-term yeah. play that sure. a lot of people don't understand uh, that is, to me, so valuable uh, number one, how do you help a client identify which methodology they want to utilize? And two, do you uh, think there's one that works better in alignment with what's going on today with ad spend compared to the other? Sure. I mean, I think the first thing you have to do is break down the business and kind of backing up to what I just explained is the, is the business and is the offer, is the solution, is the service, is it intent driven or is this audience based? Okay. If I need a plumber, it's intent driven. I have a problem. There's a solution. If I'm selling an apparel line, because I think my shirts look nice and there's a certain demographic that would buy my shirt. That's not, somebody doesn't go on Google and, and search for a shirt that would look nice on me. Right. That's something where we're trying to identify the characteristics of that person or of that demographic and show that shirt to those people that would you know, adapt to that style in general. So I think it's, it's, it's really as simple as understanding is this intent driven or, uh, driven or audience driven? And then from there, you can start to break down a strategy and build it around how do we get in front of your people, the people that rave about your brand, your service, your business in general, What's the easiest, most efficient way to get in front of them? What is the low-hanging fruit, right? And I think that once you determine that from there, then you're getting into specific campaigns and trying to figure out, you know, where you can initiate, um, you know, the most efficiency within those funds on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. It's funny because I do a lot of negotiation training since uh, Lee Steinberg in, in the genre and brand of negotiating. Yeah. 
and I always talk about compelling events. And I said, imagine the greatest compelling event is your kitchen is filling up with water. How much leverage do you have in negotiation against the plumber? <laughs> Are you going to ask him how much it is? <laughs> right. And how long do you right. take? Yeah, the same thing that length uh, is determined in the opposite or the inverse uh, in the area of building a brand or building a community versus making a sale. Uh, sure. That compelling event is, is critical. One of the other things that people may not know about you, and you just touched on it barely, is you are a people person. And you could tell in the trades, you have to be a people person. You have to meet people where they're at. You can't use uh, high level uh, vocabularies, vernaculars, and acronyms that are going to scare away uh, a plumber or a person in the trades. Uh, sure. But even more importantly, uh, your reputation has been one to get the most out of their own people yeah. uh, beyond the clients. And people is a great place to work that want to do well and want to be successful. You get a great uh, level of high performing people. Is that because you're hiring correctly or what methodology are you utilizing to get such number one great people, but get the most out of those people? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I do a lot of things different, David, outside of the box stuff. Um, you know, I do think that hiring great people is, is a big piece of it, but I'm really in touch with my people as a whole. I meet with my people one-on-one. -on -one. I understand what drives them. I understand what they care about. My hiring process is very unorthodox. I put people in, in extreme situations. Uh, I have filters in process uh, filters and processes in place before they can even apply that helps me understand what I'm looking at before I look at them. So there are a lot of things from a cultural standpoint that we do that are very, very different. I think that's generally speaking why our turnover is lower than a lot of agencies. Um, you know, compensation is something, but the one thing that I've learned over the years is, is that not everybody's driven by money. I am driven by money. I'm driven by, I like my lake house. I like my boat. I like my cars. I like, I like all this stuff, but it's not everything. And we all know that, but not some people just want to be left the hell alone. They, they don't care what their, their compensation is. We all want more money, but some people are just like, I love you because you don't micromanage me. I, I love our culture because everybody's laid back and everybody says hi here every day. So I think, you know, understanding everybody, not only a holistic level of your culture and how you're trying to identify your company, but also, you know, that would be more of a macro level, but also on a micro level of, of actually getting to know your team and your people on a one-on-one -on -one basis and understand what makes them go and what drives them and what makes them happy, right? Because at the end of the day, you spend a minimum of 40 hours a week in your job, right? So I think that us being that as a whole has really helped us, um, you know, bring in the people that we have and the relationships that we have. And, you know, more than just business and, and life as, as a boss, as an owner, uh, you also are a great mentor to the people that you bring in and giving them directions, paying the dummy tax for them, treating them with kindness, with interest uh, as well. But a lot of times when we're successful, like you've been, uh, we forget that we need uh, personal or professional mentorship itself. Are you uh, still seeking mentorship and how important is that both personally and professionally? It's everything. So every mentor that I personally have, you know, personally, I actually just saw a picture of you with one of them on a beach like yesterday <laughs> or today, but yeah. Ed Milet and Andy Frasilla uh, started the Arate Syndicate a few years ago as one of the first initial, I think there were 62 founding members. 
Um, that w- that changed my life. That was the first time I ever really started to get around people that were outperforming me. And it really motivated the hell out of me. It made me realize there was so much more and so much more that I could do and further that I could go. And I still have a lot of core people from that group. I'm still in the group actively, but I still have a lot of core people in that group that are with me every day. Uh, I also, Ben, no- ben Newman is a personal coach of mine. So I've been working with Ben for probably two and a half years. Uh, we're all over the place now. Ben, ben Newman is my client. I'm his client. We have mutual clients. We have all kinds of stuff that's crossing over now, right? The beautiful world of relationships. But, you know, I talk to Ben every couple of weeks and then any time in between it, um, he just sent me a, a text message before I jumped on here and said, hey, tell David I said hi. So, He's you know, awesome. I, mentors are everything. I, it's For me, they're everything. They're just, they open up so much possibilities. And to be able, I, I feel like I have a, a lot of self-awareness but to have people that are at levels that you admire and that you look up to help you with that even more. They make you realize more about yourself and how you think and how you feel. You're one of these people. I, I watch your content. And I'm like, damn, that's, that is good. Like that hit me. And I'm like, can, can David, can he adopt me? That's what I'm thinking to myself all the time. Can you, can you adopt me? I need um, another son. Yeah. We're, we're in. That's awesome. Perfect. So. <laughs> I, I'm happy. I, I would love to come into the family, but no, you know, I think that having that, that touch with those people like that, it has changed my entire life. You know, I was successful before them, but now, you know, at least in the eyes of society, I'm very successful because of them I, and their and mentorship. I, and that's, I think, a commonality, the desire that you must be what you can be, which you obviously have, but also surrounding yourself with the right people, the right ideas. And for me, when I started surrounding myself, instead of with the middle-aged partiers, suburban dads gone wild and started <laughs> hanging out with Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor and John Asseroff and, you know, Michael Beckwith and Dahlia and Ed and Edwin and you know, it's sure. amazing. I dropped everything yesterday when uh, they called and said, hey, man, uh, we were supposed to, they're down here for two weeks. We're supposed to get together and said, hey, we have to go. Um, one of their wives is going to be on Name That Tune. And so they're like, you, you got to come down here. And my wife yeah. looked at me and she said, let's go. And uh, there's nothing better because at the highest frequency, it's it's not just the mentorship. And we're you know, in that capacity, Ed and I are co-mentors, right? He knows sure. a lot about things that I don't know about. And I know a lot about things that he does. And, and it's, it becomes weird because the, the lines like with you <laughs> and Ben, Sean Dill's another guy that the Black Diamond Club, you know, I've been mentoring him for years and Lacey Book. And now the lines are so blurred because, you know, of the relationships that yeah, we have, yeah. the amount of business dealings. It's like, am I still coaching you? Because I know we talk, every- <laughs> like I, I'm not really yeah. sure. Um, last question. Uh, obviously I think we're in a downturn. I I believe we're in a recession already. People may be in denial. Uh, but I think it's more than ever important to hire people like you, uh, because all the fakers are going to be gone and it's just going to leave a more economical methodology to build community or to make sales. And that's really the two things that you want to do with what you do digital marketing. You want to build a community uh, yeah. or you want to make sales or both, you know, I, sure. I like both if you can, but how do you see the next few years playing out if the downturn continues in your space? Sure. Well, the first thing is, is all the guys that rented the Lambos and popped the doors and stood, you know, on Instagram like this, uh, you know, selling my last video, man. 
Yeah. yeah. Selling a $997 course. Uh, those guys are going to be gone. I can promise you that. Um, but you know, look, I mean, there's, there's a couple things that I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I'm securing myself financially. I'm taking some action moves there to try to get, you know, as much capital on hand as I can, not necessarily to survive anything that's coming, but more so attack, right? They always say the wealthy get wealthier, right? In these downturns. So preparing for that, um, you know, I'm getting my team ready. I think we talk about it openly about, you know, what could come and what that could look like in general. Um, but, you know, my big thing is just attitude. And this is something that you talk about a lot as well. When, when COVID hit, I think it was on a Sunday that Trump made the, the famous two weeks to flatten the curve announcement. It was on a Sunday. And by Wednesday, I had lost millions of dollars of revenue. In, in 48 to 72 hours. I mean, I was watching my life crumble by the, literally by the hour. And, you know, I, 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 I sat my team down virtually like this uh, and, and we all jumped on a Zoom because we all, you know, we're at home. And I, I basically told him, I said, listen, um, the, the ship is sinking. The boat is taking on water right now. You have one of two options. You can jump off the damn thing or you can grab a bucket and you can start scooping. And we had that heart to heart conversation. And I told them, you know, my loyalties to you, if your loyalties to me, we're going to get through this. So I think to me, positive attitude in general, it sounds so cheesy and cliche, but just understanding that you just have to keep moving forward. Like this is coming. I agree with you. I believe the recession has started. I don't think that people necessarily feel the impacts of it as much as they're probably going to in the next 30 to 60 days. But I do, I'm with you, it has started. And I think just helping people explain, explain to them, you know, we're going to be okay and maintaining a positive attitude and outlook on, look, we're, we are going to get through this. It sounds, again, so silly, but it's the truth. Life is what you make out of it. I mean, look at, look at your story and where, look at my story, you know, 483 yeah. cars getting repossessed, life was over and here we are. I mean, look, if we can do it, anybody can do it. And I think a lot of it is just right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, keep moving forward, keep your head down and, and do the right thing and things will take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You have the right mindset, heart set and hand set. And uh, that gives us the security no matter what happens extraneously to us that we do have control of those things and we'll always be successful. And Absolutely. although we had to pay the dummy tax, both of us and learn the <laughs> lessons of pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes, it certainly has promoted and protected us. And now I believe it's our really responsibility uh, to protect and promote others as well with our dummy tax and with the things that we can do to help them and empower them. And Chance Weber is doing that himself, CEO and founder of Agile and Company. Reach out to him if you have any needs for sales or building a community, things are going to get really good. I'm doing a group called Taking Advantage of the Recession uh, from it. 93, 99, and 2008. I've learned a lot of lessons of, like you said, how the margins of millionaires are made during the toughest times. The cream rises to the top. I bring the creams on right here, and that's what Chance Weber is. Check him out on my TV show as well coming out. He's an incredible entrepreneur. Thank you so much for elevating others to elevate yourself.